Good evening. Hope all of you are doing well. Tonight we're learning Maseches Rosh Hashanah Dav Chav Gimel. We're starting at a new, a new Mishnah and a famous Mishnah. At the bottom of Chav Beis and Beis, we are all familiar that when it was Rosh Chodesh, that the initial model of sharing that information was mountaintop to mountaintop. They'd light fires, they'd do this type of light show with, as we'll soon see, with wood and whatever it was. So we'll see what that is now. But this is a very, very well-known Mishnah. And it was not only well-known in that the Mishnah indicates how they used to transfer this information by using fire. The speed of light is pretty quick and you can get from Eretz Yisrael to Bavel, as we will soon see, in just a matter of minutes, it wasn't that far. And they had, we know, we know how far apart each of the mountains were. We know how far it was from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael. It didn't take long at all. However, we also know that there were other types of Jews at that time, some of whom were not on the same page as those of us who are in this room. We believe in Torah Shabbat Peh. That's what we're learning is Torah Shabbat Peh. So we believe in that, and they were uh, halachically and hashkafically way off the derech in that regard. So let's get started with this very well-known Mishnah, Chav Beis and Beis, about 15 lines from the bottom of the Mishnah. The Mishnah writes, Barishona initially, Hayu Masin Masuos. What is Masin Masuos? The language. That's not a language of fire. Uh, so we'll have to see what that means in the Gemara. We know what it means that they would have torches. And they'd bring long pieces of wood that were cedar. The kanim, other pieces of wood, and olive wood, and strips of flax. They'd wrap them around the wood. They'd go up to the top of, of the mountain. Not any mountain, but a specific mountain. And then they would light it on fire. They would bring the fire back and forth and up and down, making, again, was from the Mishnah, it's not clear, were they making particular shapes? So says the Gemara. So first would lead to second and second to third. And that's how everything, uh, that's how the word would travel. Where would they start? So it says the Gemara, says the Mishnah very clearly. We're to, uh, 10 lines or so from the bottom of Chav Bez Bez in the Mishnah. And the Mishnah writes, Mehar They start by Hara Mishcha within Yerushalayim. And then they would go to another mountain called Sartava. Umi Sartava the Grupina. Umi Grupina the Chavrin. Umi Chavrin the Bez Belatin. Umi Bez Belatin. He would stand there on that last mountain. So you've got a whole bunch of them. That's two. Sartiva to Grupina, Grupina to Chavran, Chavran base Blatin, base Blatin to whatever was on the other side of that. And we'll see soon in the Gemara what that is. Says the Gemara, the first question that I was hinting to already, my Mashma de Masian, Lishna de Yikudhu. How do we know that the language in the Mishnah of Masian Masuas is a language of fire? That, that's not how we say fire. There's a whole bunch of ways to say fire. That's not it. It says the Gemara, four or five, four lines from the bottom, five lines from the bottom. It says the Gemara, What does it mean? The way that we interpret this word, Masian in Aramaic, is And therefore, we can see that Oktinan in Aramaic, which means to burn. So that's where we see that the word Masin has an affiliation to the word of burning, and that's why it's used this way. Next, four lines from the bottom, Tanur Rabbanan. Ein Masin Masuos, El Bismano The only time that we do the fires is in a short month. Shinir Bismano Lakacho, when it's only in its right time. And this, again, the Rishonim deal with the language here that it's 20, on the 29th day, that it's a month of 29 days and not 30 days. When do they do the actual Masin of the Masuos? At the end of that 
day, the Mepharshim say it's at the end of the 30th day, indicating that in fact that day was Rosh Chodesh, that the previous day was Rosh Chodesh. So says the Gemara the Memra, this seems to imply from this Bryce, it seems that the only time that they would light the fires of Masi and Masuas of our Mishnah was only when the month was a Chaser, when the month was 29 days, the 30th day being Rosh Chodesh. But Amole, if it were to have been a 30-day month, and then only the 31st day from the previous Rosh Chodesh would have been the day of uh, Rosh Chodesh, then lo avdin in my time. Well, what's the reason why we only would be Masi and Masuas for a 29-day month and not for a 30-day month? So Amar Ibzera, the reason why two lines from the bottom was because Gzeru Mishub Rosh Chodesh Chaser, Shechalios Be'erav Shabbos, if you have a Rosh Chodesh Chaser, so Rosh Chodesh Chaser was the twenty. Uh, was the 29th day, which was a Friday. So what they then would have done was they would have had to light a fire on Shabbos, but they couldn't. So when would we have had to do? We would have had to have done it on Mosei Shabbos. So it says the Gemara, If we would have assumed that Masih and Masuos was also done in a month that had 30 days, and really Rosh Chodesh would have been on the 31st day. So then says the Gemara, then there would have been an error. What might the error have been? Says the Gemara on the top of Chav Gimel Amri, one might have said, Hai Chaser, who really, the month is 29 days. The reason why they didn't light the fire the night before is Mishum Delo Efshar. That because they couldn't, because it was Shabbos, and they would have made an error. Oh, Dilma, or perhaps Malehu Uvizmano Ado. Really, it is Male, it is a regular month, because they couldn't do it on Shabbos, they pushed off. So because they couldn't do it on Shabbos, and someone might think that it's Male. So therefore, they made a rule, we're never going to do it on a Male, because of that case where Rosh, Hashem, where Rosh Chodesh falls out on Arab Shabbos, and therefore there couldn't be that confusion of uh, of what uh, how many days are in that month. The only time we are ever Masi and Masuos is when the month has 29 days. Says the Gemara, why not solve it in the following way? Three lines down. Why don't we say that a person should uh, do the Masi and Masuos, or I should say the Bezdin should be Masi and Masuos, whether or not it's Malay or Chaser. And in that case that you are so concerned about, where Rosh Chodesh falls out, on Erev Shabbos, lo le'avid klal. Don't do anything on those months, and then everyone will know. We have a way of solving this. Do always Malay and Chaser. But on the month, when Shabbos, when Rosh Chodesh falls out on Erev Shabbos, don't do any Masih and Masuos. And by definition, everyone could do the math and figure out what's going on. Says the Gemara, even in that case, there could have been an error. An error. Afiluhachi asu limite, amre, uh, high Malay, who really one could have argued that it is Malay, the high de lo avde, and the reason why they were not Masi and Masuos was because Isnuse hu de Isnuse, he was an Anus. What, what kind of Ones is this? Well, so says Rashi, very interesting Rashi. Where is Rashi? Rashi is the fifth line of the page. He overdrank at, uh, at Kiddush on Shabbos. So that's what the Gemara says. It's very problematic. So that's what the Gemara says, that we were afraid that there might have been uh, some type of error in decision-making. What's that? It's not new. It is not new. It is not new. So much so that it wove itself into the Gemara. Though in 2,000 years, we should have improved a little bit. I think we've regressed uh, over the last little while. Uh, but uh, anyways, the, what? that's always been bad. Yeah, it's always been bad.
So anyways, that's what the Gemara says, is we, this couldn't be a solution of, of always doing the Masi and Masuas, both by Mole and Chasar, because we would have had the same concerns of making a mistake. Says the Gemara, fine. Another solution is that maybe we could only do Masi and Masuas on a Mole instead of a Chasar, unlike Reb Zeyr's recommendation on the bottom of the page. So maybe we should only do it on Mole and not on, on, a, on, a, on a Chasar month, only when the month is 30 days and not 29. Nope, not happening. Not going to happen because then people would have been mavatal two days of Rosh Hashanah. Now, obviously, this is before we made the distinction that we should always have two days of Rosh Hashanah. Prior to that time, Rosh Hashanah was only one day. But now you have two days of Bittal Malacha and people were living hand to mouth. They didn't, they didn't have... We're getting paychecks every two weeks. They got paid at the end of the workday. And that was the day. And actually, we have a of uh, making sure that uh, we have to make sure that we pay our workers on time. That's a mitzvah doraiso. We have an obligation to pay within our contract terms. If there are no contract terms, you should pay them right away. That's the din. So let's say you have someone working at your house and they're like a laborer. They're only getting paid hourly. So you really should be paying them right away. That's appropriate. And that brings us to the two dots, ten lines down. We said that they bring cedar wood, maybe klunsos, these types of cedar wood. The next 15, 20 lines is all about cedar wood. Wood, I am not a botanist. I'm just going to tell you what types of trees. They, my father's also not a botanist, but he could probably build a botanist. He could probably make one from scratch. <laughs> so says the Gemara uh, that we know, we know that it was made from cedar. So says the Gemara, there are four types of cedar. We'll soon see that the word cedar here is used loosely, and it probably means wood in general. But that's what they refer to here in the Gemara as cedar, because as we'll see, a lot of these trees were not cedar trees. Says the Gemara, Erez, Kasrum, Etshemen, Uvrosh. What are all four of these types of wood? Kasrum, Amara, Idra. It's a type of tree called an Idra. We saw this word somewhere in the in previous Masechlet. Debe Rebbe Shila Amre Mavliga. Another type of tree. We don't even know what it is. But Amre La Zu Golmish. Some some are him to explain this. But Amre La Zu Golmish. That some say that it's a different type of tree. Pliga de Rabba Barahuna. Because up until now we said that there's only four types of cedar. But the Amar Rabba Barahuna, Amar Amar Bey Rav, Asaraminia Razamin. Really, there are ten. What's the Mari Malcolm for this? Shinemar, the Pasuk reads, Etin Bamidbar Erez, Shita Vahadas Veitz Shemen, Osim Baarava Birosh Tidhar Us Ashur Yachdov. That is what the Pasuk references. Erez Arza, the word Erez refers to a regular cedar tree. Shita is Tornisa, that's a pine tree. Hadas is Asa, that's myrtle. That's what we're used to from uh, the Hadasim and Aravos. Eitz Shemen is a Parsima, that is a balsam tree. Viroj uh, is Barta, that is a boxwood tree. Tidhar is Shaga, that's a fir tree. Uh, to be spelled properly, not F-U-R, but F-I-R, a fir tree. Ta'ashur is Sharivna, unclear in the Mephorshim what this is. And uh, the Gemara says, so now, therefore we have 10. Says the Gemara, you can't count. That was not 10, that was seven. Says the Gemara, Hani Shiva Habu. So says the Gemara, two different versions of how we get to 10. We're just about halfway down. Three other trees were added. These three, what are these? Alonim is Butmi, this is an elm tree. Almonin is Beluti, this is an oak tree, and Almugan is Ksisa, this is actually talking about coral, like the one that grows in the water, we'll hear a story about that later, but it was talking about that type of tree, that these are of the many types of quote-unquote cedar, uh, obviously coral is not cedar, so again, to the theory, we're not really speaking about cedar options, and the various um, split hairs of what cedar tree is because the cedar tree doesn't have coral in, in its uh, in its phylum or in its kingdom at all. Totally different. Some say that the extra three were a little different. They're not as we saw a couple of lines ago of 
Alonim and Almonim and Almogin, but rather Aronim, Armonim and Almogin. Aronim is Are, that's talking about the tree called Laurel. Armonim is Duli, which is a chestnut tree. And Almogin is Ksisa, this one they agree to, which is the, uh, which is the corals. Says the Gemara, wait one second. The Pasuk reads, Vitsi Adir lo Avrenu, that when there's the flowing water in the base of Mikdash, Atsi Adir lo Avrenu, nothing can cross the flowing water that will emanate from the base of Mikdash. Remember, we learned this that the water that leaves the base of Mikdash in different rates and different volumes. We learned about this earlier in Masechasum, I believe, or maybe in Sukkah, probably in Sukkah. So says the Gemara, what are we talking about, Vitsi Adir? Says the Gemara, Amarav Zebornigdol, it's a very large boat. Says the Gemara, Hechi what was done with this boat? Says the Gemara, two different versions of how uh, how the staffing was done. If you can imagine this number of people, there were 6,000 men that worked for 12 months out of the year. Some reverse it. 12,000 men and they worked for six months at a time. They would take this big boat and they would laden it with sand and they would add, sand can be pretty dense. That's why one of the one of the many reasons we use sandbags when there's flooding also because it conforms to whatever shape it is so it can help to stop water. So that's what they did. So they would take sand and they put sand in the boat until the boat would begin to sink. Buoyancy is somewhat dependent on weight. Then they'd have someone who knew how to swim. Uh, we would call this someone who knows how to dive, a diver of some kind. The Qatar Atune de Kitna, and they would tie the bottom of the coral, Bikisisa, uh, the bottom of the coral. The Qatar La, they would tie it, Bisvinta, and they tie it up to the boat. And then what they would do is vinat lechala vishadu levrai. Then they take the sand, the sandbags, which they put inside the boat to weigh it down to lower the bottom of the boat closer to the bottom of the floor of the river. And then what they would do is vishadu levrai. They take the sandbags, they throw them overboard, and slowly but surely vikama demidlia akromasia. Slowly but surely the boat would raise its height from the water, and uh, and it would tear the coral out, and then the coral would float to the top because coral is less dense than water, so it would easily float. Fine. Now, this was considered to be, uh, I mean, just precious cargo. Everyone was very excited to have this because the ratios, again, we don't have exact weights here, but it traded with silver in a ratio of one to two. The coral seemed to have a greater value uh, than, and sometimes we see this, um, there are um, precious metals and precious stones that if you held them in your hand and close your eyes, you wouldn't even know you were holding anything, but they could cost $50,000. Just depends on uh, supply and demand and the precious commodities and the rarities therein. So here we have coral, which apparently was very, very pricey. And it, it's, uh, I guess, in similar volume or weight, one of the two, its ratio was one piece of coral to two pieces of silver. Where this was done at one of the ports, Tlas Parvisa Habia, and there were three ports, Parvisa. Rashi here in the, the old version of French, uh, Rashi here says Porta, uh, that this was actually considered a port, and that's where the word comes from. So it should be no surprise that it's similar to our language now. And uh, Tarte Be Romai, two of them belong to the Romans. According to some, it's not the Romans, but it's the Armenians, uh, just depending on the time of history. Vichada de Be Parsai, and one of them belonged to the Persians. The Be Romai Maskan Ksisa, the one by, of the Romans is the one where they were dealing with coral. That's Ksisa, the Be Parsai Maskan Marginios. And by the port of the Persians, that's where they were dealing, where they were starting to mine pearls. And Makaria Parvisa de Mashmahig. That was the name of the port, is Mashmahig, which means the kingdom of 
Rashi here says the same thing, uh, five lines from the bottom. The port of the king. So again, just different languages of what these places are called. Let's learn a bunch of comments of Rabbi Yochanan, one after the next. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, any piece of wood that was taken out of Yerushalayim, soon in due time, Hashem will return all of that wood to Yerushalayim. We're going to bring it back to Midbar. What's Midbar? And whenever we say Midbar, or often when we say Midbar, it's a reference to Yerushalayim. How do we know that? Midbar Hayasa, that uh, the reference to Tzion is that it is a Midbar. That's comment number one. Comment number two. Anyone who learns Torah but doesn't teach it, is similar to a person who is similar to, a, not a person, similar to a Hadas, to a myrtle branch, which smells great, but it's in the middle of nowhere, which no one can benefit from. If you have Torah, you should be sharing it. You don't have to be a Talmud Chacham, and I can prove you don't have to be a Talmud Chacham because of the next line. Look at the language. Anyone who learns Torah and they teach it in a place where there is no Talmud Chacham, which means you don't have to be a Talmud Chacham to teach Torah. You just have to be able to understand a little bit and teach it to other people. You don't have to, this one, when I was, when I started teaching as a Rebbe in the Torah, I got this advice and soon gave this advice. Teachers who were so nervous to teach kids, Comment number one, you know so much more than them. You might not be a grace of Talmud Chacham. You don't need to be. You need to know more than they do and have better midos than they do. And that's it. Then you that makes you into a role model. Same idea is quoted here. That kol halome Torah, anyone who learns Torah malamda and teaches it to others, b'makom she'em Talmud Chacham, when there is no Rebbe to teach it otherwise, it's similar to someone stumbling upon a hadas. You're the hadas. It smells good. People see that there's something beautiful on your lips. You're teaching Torah. Uh, and that is the comparison of the Gemara. Third comment. By the non-Jews, by the Ovde Kochavim, those who worship the Kochavim and Mazalos, there is no Takana. This is speaking specifically for those who took the lives of Yidin. I can always replace their, their nechoshes with zav. Instead of their barzal, I can bring money, silver. All of their things that they take, I can replace as Hashem. What about the people they killed? What about the, the guy that kills the yid? Says the Gemara. Famous from Avarachamim on Shabbos that we cannot clean them from the blood that they have spilled. They do not have a, a pleasant afterlife, as it were. Says the Gemara on the very bottom line of Chav Gimel Amidalef, we're going to go to the top line of Chav Dalet Amidalef, one more Amid to go. Says the Gemara, my, uh, um, um, says, as we said, me base belotin. What is base belotin? My base belotin. Turning to the top of Chav Gimel Amid Beis Amarav, Zubiram, what's Biram? Says Tosfos, top of the page, Dibraham Aschel Zubiram, Mashmakan, Shehume Eretz Yisrael. Was, again, some of these locations were difficult even for the Rishonim to determine. So Tosa says, I'm pretty sure this wasn't Eretz Yisrael. So that's a reference in Marimakam that indicates that Biram was Eretz Yisrael. My Gola, if we were to look back in our Mishnah on the bottom of Chavbez and Bez, it would say that a person would stay on that very last mountain of Bez Belatin until... Uh, uh, until what is Gola? So that's the top of my Gola. He would stand on base Balatin until he saw fires across the landscape of Pumpadisa. 
Why does the Mishnah say that the fires have to be like a torch? Because Tana, what would happen in that city in Pumbadisa is called Echad Be'echad, no Telavuka Biyadav, Ola the Rosh Gago. Everyone would go, could you imagine the scene? Everyone would go on their roof with a torch when it was Rosh Chodesh and hold up a torch. The whole city of Pumbadisa, all the rooftops, everyone was, it was probably a gorgeous scene to see from Yerushalayim or from that last base bulletin, however far they could see. Pumpadisa, I think I learned this once. You could probably correct this, that with the curvature of the earth, you can only see seven miles until the earth curves enough, something like that. Right, seven miles until the curvature of the earth doesn't, but that's if you're on the ground. If you're on a mountain, you can yeah, see further. Your angle changes, but if you're on the ground, balls that show us. yeah, uh, we use your uh, shiny head right there. We'll just—it's uh, fine. We can. Uh, sorry, I couldn't help myself. It's the only sphere I see in the room that's actually revealed. So that's that's what the Gemara that's what the Gemara indicates is that they were able to see a whole city of people that were able to. Mom, it's just a gorgeous scene. You know, sometimes in concerts they tell everyone turn on your flashlights on your phone. Lahavdil, lahavdil, lahavdil. But you could imagine such a gorgeous scene of people with, you know, with these just torches on their roofs just to represent. It was probably a beautiful thing. It's a third line down. Tana, Tanya, Bibshimim ben Elazar, Omer, we're missing things. We have more information than this. There's more mountains than the ones listed on our Mishnah. More mountains. Some say that these mountains were among the list of the ones that we just discussed, interspersed within the list that we saw in our Mishnah on the bottom of Chav Bezim and Bez. And they were facing the other direction, going eastbound, away into the Jordan plains, whatever that were to be, away from Eretz Yisrael, going back toward the other side of the country. So it says the Gemara, Mar Chashiv Dahaigi. So Mar Chashiv Dahaigi is just different shittas as to where these mountains were. Clearly the names were not names that we could identify. We didn't know exactly where they were because again, these are brises. It says Tanya. It says Tanya. Even in the times of the, um, the Tanoim, we did not know where these mountains were. That's really sh- surprising. It wasn't that far after the Chorban. The Tanaim ended in the year 220. That's only 150 years after the Churban. And the Bryces were telling us, we don't know what these locations are. So all of the conquests and all of the conquering and the, re, the, the redrawing of the lines, there was so much going on that we lost, uh, we lost the names of the cities and mountains. We don't even know what it is anymore. My father's father's from a city in Poland called Trezin. It's not even on the map anymore. The lines changed so many times. The cities, changed, the cities have changed. It's not a city anymore. Same exact thing happened here, but a long time ago in another place. Next comment to Rabbi Yochanan, eight lines down. There was eight parsa in between every mountain. Do the math. So that means if you do the math, there's eight in between every one of these four. That's only 32. Says the Gemara, we know it's further than that. We know that now that it's a longer trip, says the Gemara, it depends. As the crow flies, it's in fact that distance. But because that's not the way the roads work, they're twisty and windy, so therefore it's longer. The, the roads have been blocked off. As the Pasuk writes, And another Pasuk, That my roads have been twisted. Anyways, it really wasn't that far as it relates to the, the again, I don't know, it's hard to know exactly from the Gemara, from what place to what place we're measuring, but it wasn't that far. And the reason why it felt longer was because it was not directly point A to B with a straight line. You had to go down the mountain, you had to wrap around the mountains, whatever the case may be. This brings us to a new mission, a quarter of the way down, Chav Gimel, Amit Bez, let's continue. There was a very large 
Nachatzer um, that was in Yerushalayim, Ubeis Yazik Nigres, that was the name of it, Beis Yazik. And what, was, what happened in this place? That's where all the Edim went when they went to go be, uh, when, when, they, when they went to go give Edus on the new month. Ulasham, Kol HaEdim Miskansen, everyone would go there. Ubezdin Botken Osam Sham, all of the Bate Din, the Bezdin would assess all of the people and their Edus in that location. Usudos Ketolos, Sosan, big meals, Bishvil Sheyuhu Regilin Lavo. That's how you get people, always have food. So that's what the Gemara says, is that in the times of, uh, of the Beis HaMikdash, when they were doing Kiddush HaChodesh Al-Piri'ya with Edim, they would always have carving stations, they'd have hors d'oeuvres, serving people right and left. They wanted people to always be motivated to come show up. And that's a great motivator. Not much has changed. That's absolutely right. It's a beautiful thing. That's right. We, uh, we do kiruv through the stomach, as they say. So it says the Gemara, a third of the way down, uh, still in the midst of this Mishnah, five lines into the Mishnah, Barishona, originally says the Gemara, a very unique spin on this halacha, lo zazen misham kol hayom. They weren't allowed to go anywhere. Why? Because yes, it was permissible to break the Isra of Tchum Shabbos to get there. But once you got there, you maxed out and you couldn't leave. That chatzar was your David Amos, you couldn't go anywhere. But then everything changed because Hiskin Rabban Gamliel, Azakin Shumahalchan, Alpayim Amal Choruach, he says, no, that is not the way things work. You get a fresh Alpayim Amma. Why? Because it was mutter when you left your Alpayim Amma. It's Otherwise, Aser, but you had a Pasuk and Chumash to indicate that you're allowed to do uh, the Kiddush HaChodesh and you should be breaking the Tchum Shabbos. Not only that, says Michael, if you have a midwife who is trained, a doula who's trained in delivering children, she leaves her tchum to deliver a child, pashat that that's mutter because it's pikuach nefashos. Once she gets there, she gets her 2,000 amos. Firemen, they're coming to save people from a fire, umina gaias from the troops, umina nahar from waters, umina mapolis from a falling building. Everyone who has a reason to be there, a halachically valid reason to be there, they get a new and fresh 2,000 amos. End of the Mishnah. The Gemara opens halfway down. How do we spell the word yazik? Base yazik with an ayin tanan? Oh, base yazik without an ayin tanan. Um, so it says the Gemara, do we say base yazik tanan? Lishna me'alyu. It's a wonderful language. The Pasuk writes, the Pasuk writes, kehu, which is to dig out, kehu, and they were destoning a particular area to make it livable. So that's a positive terminology. Odilma based Yazik without the Ayn, non Lishna de which is a bad thing, and that's a reference to chains. Just an interesting halachic side. The Shulchan Aruch writes that if a chazan doesn't distinguish between an Aleph and an Ayn, they should not be a chazan. So this is not so simple. Most people don't do that. I don't know of many. I only know of one person who really does a good job of this. Uh, uh, one of the Shoshan brothers, who's an old-time Chicagoan. Every time you hear him daven, all of his ions are ions, and all of his olives are soft. That is how it's supposed to be. The ayin is a guttural letter. So that there are halachic nafkaminas. Like, let's say, for example, you say uh, Yaakov or Yaakov. Those are different words. And is it worth correcting a chazan? Good shaila. I don't know. Uh, about, about Not a, a chazan, but about kore. Those are good shailas. We Ashkenazim Paskin and Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah, that the only mistakes that we correct for are mistakes that change the definition of a word. But if they don't change the definition of a word, so then we don't change them. So it's very hard with bar mitzvah boys because, first of all, it's just hard for them in general. And second of all, they're not became and diktuk. And if their teacher isn't a bucky and diktuk, they're in big trouble. So that these are big shilas. It's not simple. It's not simple. We have an obligation to hear laning and not everyone is ru'u to lane. It's not so simple. 
Okay, so which one is it? Do we say it's Ya'azek with an ayin or Ya'azek without? So it says the Gemara, two-thirds of the way down, Amar Abaye, toward the end of this section of the Gemara, toward the next Mishnah, Toshma, maybe we have a raya, Su'udos, Gedolos, Ayu'osalem, Sham, Kadeshu, Regilim, Lavo, it's a beautiful day, everything is positive, maybe we should assume that it's with an ayin because it, we said that that word was Elishna Ma'al, Yehud, good, so it says the Gemara, no, According to the Tanakama, there's one good thing and one bad thing. Yes, you've got carving stations, but no, you don't have 2,000 elements. You're trapped. So we don't really know what which language is correct. Next Mishnah case at Bodkinesa Edim. How do we uh, check the Edim? Or I should say, how does Bezin check the Edim? Says the Gemara, Zuk Varishon. You get in line. You're the first Edim to get there. You get to go first. So then of them, Bodkinesa Rishon, that, that, that pair gets checked first, but they check them one at a time. And the older one goes in first in order to get grilled, to get interrogated first. The Omrim Lo, Emor tell us, how did the moon appear? Tough question. Was the, was the crescent of the moon, was the, uh, con, was the concave side, the, the side that's rounded out facing the sun, or was the side the crescent the other way was the sun facing the inside of the crescent, which is impossible. Let's phone all the drama. Was it to the north or was it to the south? How far off the horizon was it? Which way was the moon leaning in, a, in its curvature, right? In which way was the, was the moon spinning? How wide was it? So this is actually obvious if just with very basic understanding. If this is the sun and this is the moon, this is impossible. Because what does the sun do? It reflects off the moon. By definition, you can't have the crescent be this way and the moon be here. Because the sun pushes its light onto, this is impossible. So if somebody says the sun is right here, but the C-shaped crescent was open toward the moon, they're lying. That is impossible. You can't have that because the sun shines off the moon. It has to be that the side that you'll see of the moon, the crescent has to be this way. So that's why the Gemara says, the Mishnah says, this is one of the, it's a trick question. Like, what was it C-shaped facing the moon, facing the sun, or was the back of the sea? No, that just means you're not, you're an Amha'arit, uh, astronomically and halachically, because there's no way that that's even, even remotely possible. So that's one of the questions. And that's why the Mishnah says that if you say lifne hachama, that the crescent was open to the, to the sun, you don't know what you're talking about, they, they throw you right out the door. You're done. The after they finish with the first guy, assuming that he passes muster, they bring in his his uh, his uh, second aid. They ask him the same questions. If everyone agrees with one another, the edus of aid one and the edus of aid two within the first pair all agree. kayemes, and then they don't need anybody else. Dozens of people showed up. Just to be polite, tell me what you saw. Smooth a little bit, but really we didn't need them. We already got our ages. How many times do you need Adam to testify? We're done already. Says the Gemara, we already have. We don't want people to be downtrodden that we, we slept them all the way out from wherever they came from. They're sitting in this field. And according to the Tanakama, they're trapped in this little chatzar for the rest of the day. They can't go anywhere. Um, and we don't want to have that uh, have that experience. We want people to come and show up. So I would imagine that by the time people got close, people started running. You know, like the, they, you want to be the first in line. You want your ages to be the machriya. You don't want to sit there in the back. And if you really just wanted to hop a rhyme and just sit there for the smorg and fine, that's fine. That's what the Gemara says. 
Then the Gemara makes a strange presumption. The Gemara asks, hey, one second. You said in the Mishnah that there are two questions you ask. You ask, was it Lifne Hachama or was it La'acharachama? But that should be similar to as is the son Tzvona or is the son Droma? So it says the Gemara, Hainu Lifne Hachama, Hainu Litzvona. The first question of Lifne Hachama is just as bad as saying that the sun is in the northern part of the sky. And Hainu La'acharachama, Hainu Ledroma. These two questions are both klutz kashas. Why? Because we live north of the equator. So if we live north of the equator, from our perspective, the sun always goes south when it comes up. So let's say east and west. Which one's south? So then if this is east and west, so the, the sun does not go straight overhead, only by the equator. Where we live, because we're north of the equator, the sun goes up away from us to the south and comes back. And the moon will trail. So if the guy says the moon was in the north, come on, you, you don't even know what you're talking about. That's impossible for where you live. That so these are two klutz kashas in a row. So it says the Gemara, both of these questions are impossible. If you want to say that the C shape of the moon was open to the sun, which is impossible, that's the same thing as saying that the sun went the other way, went to the north. You don't live there. That's it. You don't live south of the equator. That's impossible. And therefore, you have to be wrong. So says the Gemara. Both of these are klutz kashas. We want to know. We just want to know. It Really, there are separate questions. It could be that north and south is north and south of, south of the point that we expected it to be. But Lav Dafka like Manish north of the equator. Like that obviously wouldn't make any sense. So that we know, and we know scientifically that's true, but we also have a Pasuk to indicate as much. So how do we know this? What does the Pasuk mean when it says... Hamshel vafachad imo oseh shalom bim romav. What does this mean? Hamshel vafachad imo that uh, that there's going to be a pachad with it and it'll do peace in the in the meromim up in the heavens. Says the Gemara. Meolam lo rosachama pigi masashalavana. The moon would never see the flaw, quote unquote, meaning the in the shade the shaded side of the moon. Of course, because of the because of the science Shabo, but also because of the Pasuk, and as well, the sun would never be able to access the inside of a rainbow. So if there's a rainbow that's shaped like this, wherever it is in the sky, the sun would never be underneath it. That doesn't ever happen. Um, again, scientifically, but as well because of the Pasuk. Why is it that Hashem set up the world this way? Because we want to make sure we know that the moon had a rough time being degraded from to Moor Fine. And not only that, that according to some different shatim here in the Gemara, that some say that the rainbow, when it's turned on its side in a semicircle, and if it's facing the sun, then it's as if you're pulling back a bow to shoot arrows. That's gire, is that we're shooting arrows here. And we're afraid. Rashi seems to have a little bit of a different shot. I don't, I don't know. But what I saw in some of the before was not this way. But the way that I the way that I learned it was not like Rashi, but that it looked like you're pulling a bow. And that would be uh, that would not be the right way to look at it. We're going to stop here. We'll pick up on Chavdal and Amadal tomorrow. And uh, wishing you all a beautiful night.